can't stop. Man, I can't stop. This is the Sports Aid Vault podcast with me, Tom Gale. And me, Dominic Mensah. Each month, we'll be joined by one of Britain's most talented young sports stars as they share the story behind their achievements so far. We'll also find out what drives them to succeed and what it takes to reach the podium. We're also going to discover more about the person behind the athlete, those early years and future ambitions. This month's guest is a British triathlete who already has multiple European and international medals to his name at senior level. He enjoyed an illustrious career in the junior ranks, winning the ITU duathlon gold in 2016 and 2017, and was presented with SportsAid's One to Watch Award as an 18-year-old. He has also excelled on the track and in cross-country running too, posting quicker times than Mo Farah did as a junior. He was crowned senior British 10,000 metre champion on the track back in 2018 and then went on to place 14th over that distance at the European Senior Championships in the summer. Back on the triathlon front, having stepped up from the under 23 and senior level, he's enjoyed repeated success in Great Britain's mixed relay teams in 2019. He also achieved individual gold at the World Cup in Cape Town and a silver medal at the World Triathlon Series in Abu Dhabi. Incredibly, he's still only 23 years of age, it's Alex Yee. So Dom, really fascinating guest today. Not only is he good in one particular sport of the sport of triathlon, but he's having equal polls from uh, people in the athletic scene to say, no, no, put away the bike and stay away from the swimming pool. You need to focus just on running. So it's something we unfortunately can't relate to. You're very good at tumbling. I'm not very good at anything. So, you know, couldn't get the violins out. But that, how much respect and admiration have you got that someone who can continue, you know, not just in that one sphere, because you know how much effort it takes for you to be such a good tumbler. Can you imagine doing that in a in a similar, you know, even just another gymnastics discipline, being able to be world-class on both fronts? Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, coming from a gymnastics background, my most immediate sort of thought about that sort of multidiscipline kind of sport is obviously men's and women's artistics when, you know, um, the all-around gymnasts, for the guys, they'll be doing six different pieces, you know, to become like an all-around Olympic or world champion. You've got to be almost eight out of ten, nine out of ten on six completely different things. And obviously for the women, four pieces trying to be eight, nine out of ten on four different things, maybe 10 out of 10 or maybe two of those things. So obviously in tumbling, it's only one thing. So in that sense, I'm quite lucky that I only have one thing to focus on, but massive, massive respect to those guys within the gymnastics community in that sort of artistic programme, the all-around gymnast trying to be the best they can be across six pieces. And obviously Alex trying to be the best he can be in, you know, triathlon and also running as well. It's not uncommon though, is it? Because particularly for any of our older listeners, if I mention Ian Botham, you know, exceptional, arguably the greatest English cricketer of all time. He was a professional footballer. You know, if we go worldwide in America, there's a lot of these dual collegiate athletes that are exceptional in American football, but they can run track and field and things like that. So I don't know, the, the, we, I don't want to use the word freaks, but there are examples, aren't there? And this is what we love about elite sport is whatever we see as physically possible, there's always someone who sees, nah, that, that's a challenge. I, I can yeah. do that. I, you know, I can continue to smash it in whatever aspect I'm, you know, it's sport. I love it. And I'm a competitor. Yeah, 100%. And those, you know, those athletes really, really push the game and innovate and almost inspire the younger generation in another way. Um, so it's obviously amazing to be like a world champion, Olympic champion at one thing. But if you could almost even be 
just amongst that world-class conversation in a certain sport, then go to a completely different discipline or very similar discipline, but still different um, and be world-class at that. Um, you know, even for me as an elite athlete, you know, absolute credit and applause goes to those guys who can, you know, change the game in that way. You know, massive, massive um, admiration for them. It's going to be really interesting to to hear from the horse's mouth, Alex, as regards to how he's juggled triathlon, the, the lore of track and field distance running. So, Alex, we're delighted to have you on the episode. The easiest place to, to, to start with is obviously the very beginning, because I think we know you as a triathlete now, but we're also very aware you're an extremely talented runner. But talk about elite sport or taking sport seriously. What was your first introductions into finding sport as an outlet and, and early successes? Um, yeah, I guess I was kind of one of the first few athletes who actually started triathlon doing triathlon. Um, I think a lot of athletes prior to me have come from another sport and then found triathlon in that sense. But my dad, well, did triathlon at uh, an age group level and I went across to the very first ever Crystal Palace triathletes junior session. And uh, I'd definitely done a, a lot of different sports before that, but that I think the element of the, the three and the challenge, I think, was something that really excited me. And um, I made some really good friends then. I think that's really important for kind of keeping you in the sport at that young age, uh, the kind of social aspect of things. So I, uh, the mixture of like the social and the, the challenge um, of that sport, like really excited me. So, yeah, that was kind of my start in, um, in triathlon, uh, probably in 2008 or so. So quite a long time ago. <laughs> um, to now and then with with regards to running I, I remember first going down to Kent AC Lady World Track um, probably a good few years after um, I'd done a, a lot of cross-country races through my school and um, was kind of one of the top three athletes in London and uh, I guess circumstances fitted really well that the, the track was only um, a mile away from my house so I could I could run there I didn't need my parents to take me there it was really quite simple and I, I turned up there one day, not really knowing what I was getting myself in for, and <laughs> uh, just just kept showing up. And at the start, I was definitely getting smashed by all the guys, but as as time went on, it started getting closer and closer, and that's that's it. I think a quite an addictive feeling, and then yeah, yeah, things just progressed from there, I guess. Yeah, definitely those endorphins from endurance, whatever yeah. aspect of it was. Just to, just specifically on the triathlon then, because I think, you know, speaking for myself, it looks a crazy sport. You, you know, you see it on TV and you think, oh, wow, it'd be so fun to have a crack at that. But I'll be honest with you, the reality of it is, because sometimes you're thinking, well, <laughs> how do I go about being a triathlete? Do you think the importance of your dad, the fact that obviously you had someone in your household already, do you think that may, just made it that transition a bit more easy? I'm not saying that you couldn't eventually have found yourself as a triathlete, but the fact you had a dad who was sorry, a huge role model and you just want to be like your dad, don't you? Was, was that your way into getting hooked into triathlon rather than just waking up one day and deciding, oh, yeah, triathlon's for me, I guess? Yeah, certainly. I don't think triathlon's uh, like a sport that you'd wake up or, uh, I don't know, it's not like the 100 metres or something where you're like, I want to be the, the fastest <laughs> athlete in the world and stuff like that. I think because I was obviously... As kids, your dad's a massive role model for you, and you always look up to them. I think uh, I saw my dad like do do a race when I was very young, and I remember going on a few trips uh, just inside domestically in in the UK, but just seeing them fly past you and other athletes fly past, and you know, like, oh, I want to give that a go. Like it, it just looked really fun. So that was, yeah. I guess when I first got that opportunity to to head down and do something different, I I jumped at it. So yeah, you mentioned obviously how important your dad was. Um, this is something that I really tried to 
incorporate into all episodes, especially when I talk to young athletes, that importance of parents, even maybe it might not be your case, like a parent being like a triathlete or whatever their sport is, but them just being so sort of connected to your dream and invested in you and trying to support you. So that is huge. You spoke about how when you first joined the running, you know, all the guys are running past you, but eventually you tried to close the gap. When did you actually start really taking running and triathlon seriously and actually thinking, you know, I can maybe get to the top at this, you know, maybe represent my country, win medals and so on and so forth? It's really hard to say because I wouldn't say there was like a specific point where I was like, oh man, I really believe I can I can do this. I think that was like, I guess, a, a kind of process which is and like, a, I guess, a curve of, of like, I don't know, progression, which is just kind of almost naturally led me to that place. And I feel really like quite fortunate that I've been in that position and I've been supported in that way. And I think uh, that comes from a lot of people behind you believing in you. And I think sometimes you find it hard to believe in yourself, but when people are telling you stuff, eventually that actually sinks in. And you're like, well, this, this actually could be possible. Yeah, I guess I've, I've been really lucky that I've had quite, I guess, linear results. Um, so yeah, things have... I've been really lucky that things have kind of fell into place despite, I guess, a, a few setbacks. Yeah, 100%. Um, and like you mentioned to us, you were up crazy early doing your running session and things like that. How did you kind of balance training to be a triathlete, a runner, with obviously school, you know, obviously going through your GCSEs and college and obviously university? How did you kind of balance that, especially as a, as a young kid? Because a lot of, you know, young athletes may struggle with the balance between school and competing and trying to be the best athlete they can possibly be. I was going to say, because it's not just one thing, is it? it's not just football, it's not just rugby. It's like, especially with triathlon, it's three sports into one, which is the added difficulty, I'd assume. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, the first thing is just having supportive, a supportive network around you. I was really lucky that Crystal Palace was only kind of a K away from, from my school. So I could literally put my run kit on in, in the gym at our school and then just run up there and, and then join them with a session potentially up there or go straight up and go for a swim straight away. So I, I was really lucky that I had that kind of that close sports facility near me. And it's, a, I guess, a, a pretty big one. Um, and then also my school had a few um, extracurricular bits which I got involved with and I definitely say that yeah that having a few sub PE teachers and stuff like that who actually believe in you and uh, actually makes makes a massive difference at that time and I think that they pushed me in not only kind of well triathlon specifically but in in lots of different sports and I think that kind of doing lots of different sports at that young age up to kind of well whenever it is up to year 11 or whatever it was actually really good just being com just being competitive and just trying to improve at something and I think that uh that process is is quite important well I was gonna say I think Roger Federer has talked about that though. obviously he's an exceptional tennis player but certainly in Switzerland it was a case of trying as many disciplines as possible did you ever were you ever defined as one particular athlete from an early age or were you Alex E who did triathlon, who did running, I'm assuming potentially cricket, football, mm. rugby and, and things like that? How soon was it before you started to shape an identity of I'm just Alex, the triathlete, and I do running as well? Probably late year 10s, year 11. So I guess that's 15, 16 years old. I was still, even in year 10, year 10, 11, I was still representing the school for cricket and uh, the borough for for badminton funnily enough <laughs> so something a bit different but um just just yeah still staying involved I think a commitment to a sport can can transfer to no matter what I think there's a there's a drive which is which is developed from sport no matter what it is so I think that um 
yeah, falling into one sport could can easily lead to to burnout. So I think that just having that enjoyment of doing lots of different things, being being a kid, I guess you don't want to mature too early and doing th- other things that your friends do as well. So there's so yeah, you, you're enjoying it that in that sense as well. I think that in, in this is no means trying to bash sort of maybe some of the more profitable sports, but certainly say for example in in this country, Great Britain, football, rugby, it's largely seen as like. You're specialising from five, six, aren't you? You're a footballer, even you know, for example, gymnastics as well. And that's that's you, isn't it? And that's how you're going to create. It's really refreshing to hear that you obviously you were very good, and you're not denying the fact that you were good at triathlon and running in particular. But you did embrace other sports just for the love of it. So, how did that dilemma sort of play out as regards to obviously you've mentioned? I started off as a triathlete. Now, as a senior, for the time being, you are labelled as specifically a triathlete. That journey in between with being successful into, you know, similar sports, but obviously two different events, I guess, was one ever ahead of the other? Were you always conscious of a time frame as regards to when I turn 18, I need to be doing this? Or have you literally just tried to maximise your performance on both fronts and just see where you end up? Um. Yeah, it's been it's it's a weird one because I still feel like I haven't like made a, a huge decision like I'm gonna I'm gonna commit to this I'm gonna. So is, is it, are you saying then you're not Alexi the triathlete at the moment? So you, <laughs> even though you are, you know, obviously that's what you're competing in, and you're still gonna do running events, but you specifically don't see yourself at the moment as just a triathlete. I'd say I'm a triathlete, but then I guess my approach to training is not just a pure focus on triathlon if that makes sense I think that there's a lot of things which I've learned from running fast and on the track and those specifics which I think transfer really well to triathlon and I guess competing in track and field I think definitely helps uh, my competitiveness and also cross country it just teaches you how to compete um, which is something which is is actually I think quite a tough thing um, to emulate in in anything else so I think it works out really well that like kind of cross countries in the winter and you you still keep that competitive edge and and then you can kind of move on to a summer of triathlon hopefully and and so and has that been the approach from like say you started taking it seriously 15 to 16 that like say you would you would attack it on both fronts but you were never sort of saying in two years if I've not done this time in running or I've not placed this high in triathlon I'm going to focus on one or the other it was like you say that you see yourself as a you know 12 months a year this is the structure triathlons in the summer cross country and a bit of track and just continuously just pushing to, to be the best athlete I can on all fronts I guess I guess it c- comes back to like doing lots of different things I think that that's what excites me in in sport is that like I could do something a bit different to to like the convention, I think that that's something which keeps me motivated and gets me out of bed every morning. So I think it's more about being the best athlete I can be rather than just being having a specific identity. Though at the moment, I'm definitely 100% all in for triathlon. At the moment, I, that is, I guess that's not concrete. And, and I, I definitely still want to achieve some benchmarks in running. And I'm hoping that will go hand in hand with triathlon. And yeah, no. Nah. Speaking of benchmarks and running, you know, we've got a couple of stats here. Obviously, just reading this script beforehand um, and seeing that we were running faster times than the legend that is Mo Farah at 18 years old. How do you kind of feel with that pressure of people maybe making comparisons or are you just running your own race and you just happen to run a faster time than the legend? Um, I think definitely when I was younger, I, I used to like be a little bit obsessive with times and uh, I'd always be on Power of 10, which is a, a running platform. 
looking at looking at different times and stuff like that. But I think as a progressor, I've learned like comparison to other people can be the the thief of joy. So I I don't want to I don't want to always be comparing myself and then always uh, thinking things could be well. The grass is always greener, isn't it? On the especially on things like social media. So I think it's yeah. As as I've I've got older, I think I've just try to try to stay away from that and just try and better myself rather than try and chase other people yeah yeah and you know you were lucky enough to meet the legend at a sports aid event where you won that one to watch award how you know brilliant was that to meet one of your idols you know did he have something to say about you you know <laughs> running faster times than him or was it purely just friendly man he's, he's <laughs> a legend isn't he he's just he's he's such a character as well he was on tv recently on a anton dex takeaway uh saturday night takeaway and he's just like just such a nice guy and he's he's obviously bringing up the sport I think and that's that's um such a good thing for like track and field and endurance running and to me him was like was such an honor and almost to for him to like be backing me by giving me the award was was yeah felt really quite special yeah 100% yeah I had a look at the video and we got sent a little Instagram link and you know you were speechless so you know when I meet my idols um in sort of uh, gymnastics and sports in general you know I can completely relate man and just having that support from them is so so key just to go back to your sort of triathlon career obviously you know um you were a fantastic, fantastic junior. And in 2016, you won that gold medal at the World Triathlon uh, Junior Championships and that bronze at the Triathlon Junior European Cup. How important were those moments for you as a junior in trying to really stimulate your hunger to keep going on for more? Do you think they helped, you know, keep you motivated and hungry to, you know, reach those senior levels and, you know, the accolades you have now at senior level? Yeah, definitely. I think uh, there probably was a few moments though I didn't say before, like that probably did make me believe that things were possible. And I think one of them was that European Cup medal. Um, prior that year, I'd been actually lapped out of one of the domestic races in our, which qualified us for, for future European races. And um, after that, I, I definitely started working harder. And uh, I sat down with my coach and said, I, I don't want that to ever happen again. And I worked quite hard throughout the, the rest of that summer. And I got that result at the end of that year. And I, it really showed that like hard work does pay dividends and yeah it i guess it kind of lit a fire in, in a sense so it was, it was good could you just say just so when you say you got lapped out is that where you weren't going quick enough to compete the competition obviously they pull you out of the race is, is that what you're saying alex yeah because that and so because as you've explained you know a lot of people and this is the beauty of these podcasts we get a bit more detail don't we but from perhaps people from power of 10 from going on the triathlon website they just see alex G medal 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 you know it's all seen as this big one thing but you said like probably what was the biggest low maybe of your career to that date but then that helped you probably yeah. kick on to that next gear to continue to excel forward yeah i think that's something i feel massively passionate about is that like when you're a junior athlete one result does not define you um a lot of people can can think that because they've missed out on a qualifying race that's it that's the end of things but it certainly isn't. You're still in your your key development phases. You've still got a lot of time. You just gotta you just gotta keep sticking at it and keep showing up. And I think that's something which is really quite important to to remember and for people around athletes to kind of yeah remind athletes, especially in those kind of hard moments, is that there will be there's light yeah like the end of the tunnel. Great. Well, it's you know me and Dom 
can't sing high enough for your praises, how grounded you are and how mature you are. And I'm thinking if I'm 18 years of age and someone's telling me I'm running quicker than Mo Farah or on the triathlon front, I'm winning European medals, you know, and podium and stuff like that. I'd be like my head would be going <laughs> through the roof sort of thing in terms of trying to keep me grounded, which you, you know, thankfully you've been able to do. I just want to touch into maybe how did it work though from external people? Because I think, you know, it's not a criticism, but say for example, the athletics crowd, which I know a lot, they were sort of thinking, well, if he's better than Mo Farid, Alex, forget the bike and swimming, get get down the track. And then equally, maybe from the triathlon point of view, they were saying, don't go and do diamond leagues or European senior track championships. You need to be doing track. How did it work in terms of, perhaps understandably, narratives from both your sports maybe pulling at you and saying, just don't, you know, keep focus on this one and don't continue to understandably do exceptionally well on all of these different activities. And sorry, and something probably you still face to today, don't you? Because you, you ran yeah. 7.45 for 3,000 metres uh, on the track last summer, which for people who aren't aware is a, is a pretty much world-class time for 3,000 metres in just track running. There's a lot of people who run hundreds of miles a week and can't get near that. So it's still something that you're facing to this very day, I'm sure. Yeah, definitely. I think um, it's been a challenge. You always see like little and little Facebook groups and stuff like that, or on Twitter, people commenting on things. But um, I guess um, I guess I have people that I know I can trust in in the right places, and especially my parents, I guess, uh, being really really quite wise and like advising me with the right things to do. And it's still something which I f- I find like uh, find weird that people have such an opinion on what. I'm doing if that makes sense because mm-hmm. I just feel like I'm mm-hmm. any other person which is cool I guess but it's also yeah it's also a bit bizarre but yeah I, I mean certainly from my point of view I've had so much support from triathlon and they've really looked out for me from kind of yeah almost 13 14 years old and seen someone in me so I, th- I think um having that belief in me has always been something which I've respected and has been been a, a big appeal of, of triathlon I think certainly I, I enjoy the challenge of triathlon because I'm not the best. I'm not a perfect athlete, the complete athlete in triathlon. I think uh, I still have a lot, lot of room to grow, and I think that motivates me and gets me out of bed, which is which is something which I guess it still excites me and yeah, still keeps me going. So I think that's one of the big pulls towards me in triathlon. Um, but there's still something quite romantic about the track and. <laughs> Uh, yeah, something I, I can't deny, which I, I really, really enjoy. I definitely think that even if I do go on to be a triathlete, there will still definitely be track races in the future. Just one more on that, because I know Don wants to come in and on just something slightly different. That How do you approach running? Because I guess sometimes, and this is me not being an elite athlete and perhaps my insecurities, sometimes is it... Are you sometimes scared that if you run and you run incredibly well, <laughs> that again, people are just going to be, you know, because obviously you're doing all the training, you're incredibly fit. When you're on the start line for a track race, are you sometimes, does it run through your head of, God, if I run really quick again today, <laughs> more Facebook messages or more chat is going to be going, why is he not doing this discipline? Or I'm hoping that you are clear of that and you just smash it as you've been doing. But again, from me as a mere mortal, I'm sort of thinking, would, is there any paranoia of, I don't want to run too well today because again, everyone's going to be saying you're a runner, Alex, you're a runner, not a triathlete. No, de- definitely not to be fair. I just want to run fast. I think. And I think that's, uh, I guess that's something you got to worry about later if, if it, if it does go well. And I guess that's a good problem. So let people talk. hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. Yeah. You know, I think it's a big part of being an athlete, um, especially when there is a lot of fan opinion as you know, every 
sport is going to have a core group of fans, you know, little Facebook groups here that discuss events. And obviously it's good to keep interest in the sport, but as an athlete, it can get quite disillusioned. But that's when your support network comes in, you know, coaches, parents, agents, you know, keep you grounded and help you make the best decisions for your career. You know, Alex, as an athlete, you've overcome adversity in many forms, I'm sure, um, especially in injury. Me, myself, as an athlete, I've been so, so lucky to not have any serious injuries. Um, and obviously that helped me, you know, still keep progressing in my career. But you yourself went through quite a serious accident in June 2017 when you suffered several injuries. Um, but you kind of came through that adversity to really be back again racing um, by the back end of that year of 2017 after the accident in June. Talk us through what that was like um, trying to recover physically and mentally, you know, from such a terrible accident. If you can just first off start off by what explaining exactly what happened as regards to and the injuries you suffered and as Dom's talked about, then how the recovery was after that. Yeah, so in 2017, I'd I just qualified for my first uh, World Cup, actually, uh, as a senior. And I was having a really, really good race. I'd, I'd made the front front of the race, which was uh, something which has always been a challenge for me with swimming being uh, probably my weakest discipline. And then halfway through the bike, I, uh, I got forced off the road and, and hit a concrete bollard at uh, quite a speed and resulted in some, some quite bad injuries. I broke, I think, four ribs, um, my scapula in four different places, four vertebrae, and uh, punctured my lung as well. So it was pretty significant upper body injuries. But I was, I was incredibly lucky that there was like good support teams around, and and the the place where it actually happened meant that somebody could get to me in within thirty seconds. And that kind of that medical care at that point was probably something which was, I guess, one of the things which. I guess almost saved my life or saved my career in a way. Well, I was going to say yeah. definitely, definitely saved your so, life. Yeah, yeah. Your life. So, yeah. so in an unlucky circumstance, I was actually really lucky that it happened where it did, and um, I had really good um, support and and the hospital which I stayed in was really good, and they they helped me through things, and uh, it, it meant I had to stay in Sardinia for extra four weeks, which was definitely a challenge. But um, yeah, I missed my A, a levels as well uh, through that. But I think the the thing that that came from it most of all was how your health is everything, and when something like that happens, everything goes out the window. And I think the fact that I missed uh, my A levels and stuff like that, and at that point, A levels were everything, as well as kind of sport and stuff like that. The fact that I can do them and that was absolutely fine just showed that, like, the fundamental thing is your your health and <laughs> and living as as such. So I guess that perspective. That's given me a lot of perspective for the future and uh, about about things, and it, it was certainly a challenge coming back. But uh, I, I was I was just incredibly lucky to have the people I did around me that um, believed in me, and I think I was a bit naive as well that I thought I was going to come back quicker than I did, and I think that almost helped me come back quite quickly as well. So um, uh, it, yeah, I was I was just really lucky to have the right people around me, and then in eight months time I think it just I guess I just had like a a bit more meaning to every race I was doing at that point because I just invested all that time and I'd had that many people invest in me as well that I I really yeah I I guess I just had more people I felt like I had a lot of people like 
kind of pushing me through and 100 percent yeah because as, as athletes man you know we're taught from a young age you've got to have tunnel vision you know obviously we, we still gotta get you know educations and things like that but in terms of sport it's got to be tunnel vision and something awful like that can actually kind of realign your vision and actually get you you know grateful that you know i can do the simple things in life you know never mind the running the swimming the cycling i can do the simple things and i think that's so so important um for any athlete going through injury any athlete who is still a virgin athlete still rising to keep grateful for all the things not just obviously your incredible talent but actually for everything in life obviously you came back and made that recovery in eight months which is absolutely incredible during that eight months would you say it was like quite linear you know were there times where you felt a bit down like am I going to be able to ever come back kind of talk us through that sort of rehab process definitely there were times which were uh tough I get I guess because going and speaking to a few specialists they were some of them were really positive and some of them were, were not so positive. They were saying, we don't think you should do exercise just for the, the health of your, your bones in the future and stuff like that and, and the growth. But like I was really lucky that uh, I guess the way my, my body healed meant that I could still kind of do what I love. But I, I definitely think there were times when you were lying at home and I guess because of the spinal injuries, I had to do a lot of lying down and... That, that's definitely tough for somebody who who likes to be active and I guess as a child as well you just want to keep moving and and be doing stuff and seeing people but it was all part of the process and I think that having I guess my, my parents around me and, and good friends and and then also support staff was probably critical in getting me through there and I probably don't give them enough credit for, for what they do but yeah they, they really kind of yeah got me in got me on the right track. Here's your chance. Who do you who do you think you perhaps need to just play a bit more credit to as regards to particularly that time of your career and obviously to date that were just really key in keeping you on track, I guess, basically. I guess one of one of the key people is probably a physio called Lindsay Townsend. She she came down from I think she lived in Peterborough down to London almost weekly just to kind of check up on me and see how I was doing and uh, give me treatment, speak to my parents, give me support. And I think that I, I guess I, I feel incredibly lucky that yeah she she did that for me and yeah that was it was pretty special um and obviously my parents they they invest like everything in you and I think that that's something which I guess as a kid you always take for granted and then you spend the rest of your life trying to make up for it so yeah thanks for them <laughs> yeah 100 percent definitely just the last thing on this you know when you kind of return to that um bucks cross country um race and title um after the eight months of rehab was there any part of you that was a bit wary of coming back? We hear a lot of athletes, let's say a footballer suffers really bad leg break on the pitch. Their first game back, you know, even though they're sure of their love for the sport mentally, there's always a bit of a part of their psyche that's a little bit scared. Like, what if this happens again? You know, if there's a 50-50, do I go for it and stuff like that? Out of just natural fear and protection for their own body and what they've gone through. Did you face any of that? Or, you know, during that eight months, had you just developed that mental toughness to go, I'm back now? Let's crack on um, and pick up, you know, where we left off. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, the thing for me is I just wanted to to get back to it, and I I think I'd had that long term period away that um, I I just wanted to be back where I, I guess where where I felt like I belonged and where I wanted to be. And um, it's quite funny because I got quite a bad spike right at the start of the race, and it tore open my my foot. And I remember it happening and thinking, Ooh. this is not going to stop me from finishing this race. And wow, wow. <laughs> Yeah, I had to go to the hospital after and get stitches, but it was it was worthwhile at the t at the time, and it was just just felt so good to be back, and just felt kind of more than the race, just yeah, just felt like I'd almost overcome kind of that adversity, and it was it was quite rewarding. Yeah, brilliant, man. Thank you for the insight. Last one on this sort of 
you know, the complexities of being a triathlete or a, a distance runner, given the experience you've had and obviously still only 23 years of age and you've mentioned that you could potentially be a track and field um, specialist in the future or, you know, you could still continue to combine both. Do you have any advice for not necessarily someone who has a similar dilemma, but those, you know, young young athletes, and there's many in the sports aid programme who at times are excelling on multiple fronts. Is, is there anything that you think that was specific to you in terms of things that you learned or anything you'd want to pass on if you are continuing to do well in different disciplines and you are facing challenges of, do I choose this, do I choose that, or you want to do both? What would your advice be to if anyone was to ask you that question? Um I think the key thing is doing what you enjoy. Like a lot of people are going to tell you that this is the right thing for you. This is the, the wrong thing for you. And, and a lot of people are going to tell you different things, but you deep down know what you enjoy fundamentally and what gets you out of bed. And no matter what, I, I'd, I've always told myself that in five years time, I'm always going to have the same approach to training. No matter what I do, I'm always going to wake up and I'm always going to swim, bike and run. That's That's the way I am and that's what I love. So whether that's doing... Some, something else or pro- probably doing triathlon um <laughs> that that's that's what i love so i think that's it that's the important thing is it if you tell yourself what what in five years time do i want to be doing uh waking up and and like achieving and and training and stuff like that i think if you can honestly hand on heart tell yourself that you want to be doing that then that's probably the best thing for you so i don't i don't want to tell you what what to do but i guess that's um yeah, that's that's my, my piece of advice. Well, it's, it's clear from your story, Alex, enjoyment's always been at the fore of it. As you know, if you, for example, if you suddenly didn't want to run laps around the track, you wouldn't be doing it, do you? But you get a buzz from it equally the same way as you do jumping on your bike and jumping into the pool. Maybe not so much the pool, but you know, it's, part, it's part of the triathlon. Does it help with triathlon that there's arguably a bit of a template already there? Because we see the Brownleys, uh, there's the likes of George Benson, um, Adam Bowden. On the female front, we've got Non Stanford, Georgia Taylor-Brown, that in triathlon specifically, there's many examples of people who've either come from running into triathlon or triathlon and dip the toe into running, that they can excel on both runs and not at the detriment of either side, I guess, really. Yeah, certainly. I think there's a lot of role models in this uh, that I, I could look up to, certainly in triathlon, straight away. And following the success of kind of 2012, that was something which really kind of drew me towards triathlon and I think triathlon's been such a such a growing sport since I first started doing it that I feel like it's almost become not an option to to becoming an option if that makes sense because of mm-hmm. the the progression of it and how how much it's grown and how how prestigious an event I guess it is now and it's quite cool to like see BBC sports articles and stuff about it and stuff like that which actually for me I just want to keep help while growing the sport itself like those guys have done as well this may be the first time you're hearing about sports aid so let me give you a quick snapshot into what the charity does they've supported over a thousand of the country's variety sporting prospects each year the vast majority age between 12 to 18 the athletes are nominated to sports aid by governing bodies of more than 60 sports and the award they receive acts as a real motivational boost that is often the first recognition they're given outside of their support network. The athletes benefit from a financial award to help towards the cost of their sport as well as being able to access specialist workshops and personal development opportunities. Well, since 1976, Sports Aid has supported tens and thousands of athletes at the very start of their journey, long before they became 
household names. Their illustrious alumni include Olympic and Paralympic legends such as Jessica Anisale, Mo Farah, Tanny Gray Thompson, Sarah Story and Steve Redgrave. And more recently, we've got the likes of Laura Kenny, Ellie Simmons, Adam Peaty, Tom Daly and Dina Asher-Smith. If you'd like to help the next generation of British sporting heroes to follow in their footsteps, please visit sportsaid.org.uk to find out more about how you can make a difference. You've mentioned, obviously, run, you know, running and triathlon. There was notable successes, you know, international success, going to major championships as a junior. How key was it for you, and still, this is speaking as a 23-year-old, to get that immediate success when you were a fully established senior? Because obviously you had the under-23 bracket where, again, you're perhaps largely in your zone as regards to knowing your range. But when you went to your first senior one, senior event as a triathlete, and you did well, how important was that for you setting you on to the curve? Because a lot of athletes, irrespective of sport, that jump between the security of an age bracket to, right, I'm in with the big boys or the big girls now. How important was it for you and your development, do you feel, that when you did get established as a senior, you had notable success from early, from early doors? Um, I think, yeah, it was, I guess it was, it was a bit unexpected. And having such early success in the World Series was not something which I'd kind of anticipated doing. But I think that the key thing for me about about those results so early was that it made me realize that people are only human and I, I guess you can almost achieve it. And I think that belief is all, all, always something which is like hard to comprehend. And I'd, I'd say definitely in those first few years of, um, I guess, after my early success in Abu Dhabi World Series, kind of I got a start in every World Series for the rest of that season. I definitely felt like... I, w I wasn't as worthy as other people and, and I think that that's something which took me a li little while to overcome but I, f I feel like yeah if I could advise anyone else I guess I'd say that there's a reason you're on the start line and you shouldn't feel like an imposter because you've earned your position I think that as much as I was really lucky I, th I think that was a bit of a challenge which I guess I had to overcome that through that early success it's been a I guess it's a good good challenge and a good problem i think that's typical sometimes if we see of talented you know and i sometimes hate the sort of connotations that are with that talented thing but with juniors because this consistency is maybe not there that we see in all different of sports that one-off performance that then you're seen as a benchmark but i guess as you pointed out there that it was very successful in cape town maybe not as successful in the rest that you want but in so you had those, you know, those air miles and just that experience of regularly going to senior triathlon events, being on the start line and looking back over a season of, yes, Cape Town was undoubtedly the high, others didn't go quite as well, but I was regularly competing at the level and all that learning experience that you generate that sometimes is very difficult for junior athletes to accept, isn't it? That because yeah. for sometimes it's week in or season in highs, 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 highs seniors hopefully there's highs but then there's a bit of mediocre and just getting adjusted to being a senior athlete I guess I think that's one of the things which is a bit different about being a senior is that like I guess as an age as an age group athlete I was quite quite lucky in that I was always relatively near the front of every race and in senior triathlon there's just so much experience there so so many different talented athletes um that you're not always going to be at the front and that's kind of the beauty of triathlon is that it's unpredictable it's exciting it's really hard to be consistently good and i think that that takes time and takes experience at that that level and yeah i almost feel like i'm kind of going through that phase now or just coming out the other side of just kind of getting that race experience through and some races go your way and some don't and i and i'm almost working towards that position where i can always be in the race no matter what um and i think that's something which 
definitely takes time and takes experience. Just two questions from me. You know, as a senior, you're obviously part of that world-class performance um, program. Um, what do you gain from really, really being a part of that program? I'm guessing, obviously, a large part of it is, you know, competing with people that are at a similar level to you, you guys all pushing each other. But to hear more about that sort of benefits of being a part of that program would be really, really great. Yeah, definitely. I think that the main thing for me is that I'm, I just get to do the easy bit of training. I, I have so much support around me that I guess that I have all my other supports kind of spoken for me and with regard to nutrition physiology physiotherapy everything that I just I just do the training bit and and there's a lot of things that just go on behind the scenes which I'm I, I don't know too much about but everyone seems to know kind of where I'm at and all seems to be aligned and I think that's something which is the, the kind of key difference between being on the world-class funding and not is that you feel like the most supported athlete I guess you can be and I think that's one of the goals of being on world-class funding is that uh, as a UK athlete, when you go to a, to a world championship or a world stage event, that you are the most supported athlete. And I feel, I really do feel like we're in that position and that's, well, really lucky. And we have, we almost have the simple job of doing the training and the competing and that's, yeah, we're, we're incredibly lucky. Yeah, you say simple job, <laughs> trust me, man. Your job is not simple, man. And But I think, you know, you saying that it's so key in terms of, you know, it's very much a machine with loads of different parts. Like obviously you're the main part, you know, you, you go out there, you execute the race and so on and so forth. But your physiotherapist, your physiologist, your analyst and things like that, they all come together to make one Alex Yee, you know, and a successful Alex Yee. Um, so what kind of age do triathletes peak? Obviously we know about the brownies, they've been going on for so long, but like what kind of age do triathletes normally peak? Um, I, I'd probably say that there's no, no exact science on when somebody peaks but I'd say probably around the late uh, 20s early 30s is probably when you're kind of in your prime uh, as an athlete I guess for triathlon just because of the endurance aspect of it um, but I, I definitely don't feel like I'm the complete athlete yet um, I, since since moving to Loughborough I've, I've really worked on my my swim and um, and I feel like I'm becoming a bit more of a complete athlete and that and uh, with my last race, I was the closest I've ever been to the, the front of a race um, ever after the swim. And I feel like if I can just keep chipping away at those little progressions, then hopefully I, I can not be seen as Alex, the, the good runner and the weak swimmer. I can be seen as Alex, the complete athlete, hopefully, which is kind of, yeah, the, the exact, well, the thing which kind of motivates me, I guess. So the, the message there is you're not, you're far from done yet. There's still plenty more to come from Alex. She is fair to say. Oh, hopefully we'll have to see what happens keep chipping away you touched on it a little bit there Alex and you rightfully talked about you know once you get into that world um, world class podium funding the, the sort of security I guess that there's no stone unturned and you talked about the, the great work that goes in preparing you guys and girls to get on the start line in the best possible shape but obviously during lockdown, you had quite a significant change in that training environment because for people who don't know that triathlon success has largely been spawned out of Leeds, hasn't it? You know, that's as we talked about, the Brownleys are the poster boys as regards to the setup they had there. And understandably, a lot of people gravitated to that, don't they? And, you know, enjoyed similar success of being in an environment where everything was catered for. You decided to change that and move to Loughborough, which again is, is a renowned sporting environment, but... I don't know, it perhaps seems as a brave decision. Maybe some people questioned it. It's obviously paid fruition again in terms of your successes, especially now the triathlon season is up and running. But talk us through that dilemma of being in a world-class environment, things going well, but maybe you just tweaking that 
perhaps it's not just right for me and there is an option where I could potentially feel more comfortable. Can you talk us through that process? Yeah, I mean, definitely. When I finished uni, the, the place to be was Leeds. And almost for me, it was a, it was a no-brainer to go to Leeds straight away. I, I had a lot of friends there who'd gone the prior year. And then obviously there was so many role models in Georgia and Alistair and Johnny and Jess Learmonth and all those big names and going straight there and being able to train with them was incredible and a bit, a bit surreal and definitely pushed me on. But I guess after kind of lockdown, I, I moved down to live with my girlfriend in um, Newark, which is quite close to Loughborough. And she's always trained in, in Loughborough. And because of the, the protocols put in place by British Swimming, they were the first ones to be able to access the pool. And after kind of the first lockdown and that meant that I kind of stuck around in Loughborough because I guess swimming is the one which I I've, I really wanted to work on and stuff like that. So um, I, I stuck around here and things kind of progressed from there. And I guess circumstances almost from COVID almost kind of put me in this place and it was something I could, I'd, I'd never have comprehended doing prior to that situation. And it really worked for me. And my coach now, Adam Elliott, has been really, really, really insightful and, and really helpful in... I guess keeping helping me become that more complete athlete that I want I want to be and yeah life is crazy <laughs> to, to think that <laughs> I, I couldn't really comprehend a, a move like that prior to, to anything happening uh, till any of this happening but I don't think anyone could predict there was going to be a global pandemic at, <laughs> in March in 2020. Of course not. Yeah no way. As we all you know we're, we have such complex lives don't you obviously link with your girlfriend and the location throw Covid in and you sort of acknowledging yeah. that rather than a disadvantage actually this is an opportunity because Loughborough is the you know that's the, the British swimming base that you can maybe address it and, and see how it goes so I don't know I don't know if there is any message but that is sometimes a dilemma for a lot of young athletes isn't it where to base myself where's the performance center for this sport where does everyone have success but it, it is a, a fluid thing isn't it that maybe the, there is opportunity to explore other differences in routine and I don't know if that's something you encourage that maybe just that slight tweak and trying something rather than saying this is what I've always done or this is where everyone goes, that just being a bit open to to new environments and, and embracing them and seeing where it takes you. Yeah, definitely. It's quite funny because before um, before I uh, moved to Loughborough, I'd always been such a closed book to it. I think just because I'd been born in London, I'd been raised in London, I'd always assumed that I needed a city behind me. I, I'm a city boy and born and bred and that's it. Um, but kind of moving here and yeah, really seeing the progress and everyone being so welcoming as with regards to the athletes as well. It's been, it's been really, really, really quite rewarding. And I, I definitely encourage people to be a bit, a lot more open with, with training centers and stuff like that, because I think for me, certainly I'd, I'd almost closed off Loughborough as an option before I'd even given it a chance. And I think that it's not always the the place where there's the most successes where where's the best place for you and uh, that goes for everything so i think yeah where, where you're happiest is is where you're going to get the best success and right now i guess that's that's here i guess all athletes are about control aren't they you, you know control the controllables some things are left out of your control but certainly as a spectator watching triathlon that you could be in the best shape of your life and i know it's sometimes the most obvious but your goggles rip or you get a puncture you know talk us through those at times little things that come into the complexes of triathlon that sometimes you just have to walk away and just say it wasn't my day because of that divot in the road or something like that yeah definitely I think there's 
a lot of things that can go mechanically wrong in in a triathlon and that's something which is which happens very rarely but when it does it's it's always very very disappointing um luckily i have a lot of good i guess sponsors which have kind of given me the the best equipment i think that that's all you can do in them situations is just have the best equipment possible for for those scenarios just to prevent that happening i guess psychology is pretty key isn't it as regards to that sometimes you know you can control to a certain degree but sometimes things happen how how much do you embrace that mental aspect specifically as endurance athletes not to say that you're superior as it goes to the other sports which rely on you know uh, not necessarily endurance as the main component but you're used to suffering you're used to pain but how much is your mind and i don't know if you do work with a psychologist how much is that uh, part of your elite athlete um program i guess yeah definitely i've, I've actually helped started working with a sports psychologist recently and um i found i found it really helpful i think for me the biggest thing to deliver in a race at the start is kind of my mindset before it um how i kind of go into it um because it's easy to kind of go in to a race and then almost be be defeated with or have the wrong mindset which is not a growth mindset and in that scenario and i think that that's that's really key for me definitely and um also having kind of some psychological cues which bring me back after especially with the chaos of the swim and a few aspects of the bike i think having things which bring me back to me have been really key and just trying to keep me on track i guess on a triathlon it can be two hours long um it's easy to kind of forget what you're doing and just go through the motion so i guess that presence of kind of almost being in the moment is it's been really key for me and just just trying to focus on myself as well because it's easy to compare yourself and and uh, be thinking about where you need to be or who you're with and stuff like that but all you can control is yourself so just keeping on track with that is I think the key thing and what, what I'm still I guess learning a little bit. Yeah yeah and you talk about that sort of growth mindset I think it's so so important for athletes in anything to you know go back and watch your clips of your performance or your training and look at it. For me personally, I'll admit as an athlete, I hate watching back the bad competitions that I've done. It's the worst thing ever. So what's your kind of post-race uh, analysis routine? Do you always sit down and watch things, um, maybe with an analyst, maybe just yourself? What's your kind of routine? Yeah, I, I definitely do watch back competitions. I think that I think is really helpful. I think there are things which you miss in a, in a race, which you can see on, on the, the replays and stuff. I also sit down with a lot of the support staff and talk through the race itself and get their opinions. There's a lot of people who are who are there on the ground as well, which can have so much experience and can pick up on things which I maybe don't think about at, on that occasion. So um, I think it's really, really useful and, and insightful to just kind of debrief races. And it also can kind of shape the, the training that you do kind of leading into the next competition. And I definitely think it's good yeah yeah for sure across all disciplines you know just sitting down going through you know that if it's been a bad composition that painful task of watching it back analyzing reviewing okay we need to do this 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 and implement this 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 into the next sort of training camp is so so important and obviously still as a young man 23 still you know hopefully a decade left of racing you know how do you go about goal setting as sort of a last question do you set short-term goals medium-term long-term or are you just you know the next training session needs to be the best and you just take it day by day what's your goal setting kind of like for me, definitely at the moment, uh, everything's all about developing my process as a racer. Um, I know the kind of things which I need to work on. And I know the processes which it takes to be successful in triathlon. I think that those are the things which I just need to, to keep working at. And 
if I focus on them process goals, hopefully the, the outcomes will be the things that follow from, from me delivering my best processes and my best training. I think that that's uh, definitely where I'm at at the moment. And uh, that will probably be always always the way I'll kind of set goals. And nice. So more so just developing as an athlete rather than just thinking, oh, I want to be this medal, this medal, yeah. this medal. Just develop it as an athlete and you'll get to that point in due course. Yeah, certainly for me, especially at the moment with, I guess, the, the Olympic chase at the moment i think for me it can easily be overwhelming to to think about getting an outcome result and i think for me getting the best result out of myself is actually just focusing on what uh, i know i need to do to get myself in the best possible position and get the best result that i physically can on that day so looking back alex obviously you are a sports aid alumni you had financial rewards in 2013 14 15 16 so that consistency and support to the world-class athlete that you are today how key was that for you in your development you feel yeah it was I think it was really critical I think it, I, I feel yeah incredibly lucky to at first to even be in a position to receive an, uh, a financial award from from sports aid um, I guess that was one of the things which kind of gave me confidence in that I was in the right place and doing the right things and the, that money really facilitated me to kind of go on to to race competitions and uh, which which kind of helped me get on the pathway to get on the the national triathlon squad at that time, which was just pretty incredible. I mean, triathlon's not a cheap sport by any means, with the amount of equipment you have to to buy, and and that definitely kind of put an ease of financial burden that, that my parents, I guess, had at that time. So yeah, really really lucky, and I think support back then is often taken for granted. There's so many people who who are who are always in your corner and you don't appreciate the amount of time which they volunteer and stuff like that and I think that there's a whole kind of support network even behind you when you're a junior athlete which you don't fully appreciate until you're kind of at this point and the, the amount of sacrifices and the time which people make uh it's pretty incredible and and yeah I guess sports aid was one of those big ones and it's it is yeah really really I guess rewarding to kind of get that and then also really really good for development as well um quick fire questions with alex ye childhood hero alex who was your childhood hero uh probably alistair and johnny brownie nice what's your biggest fear alex probably death <laughs> as sad as that sounds <laughs> very brutal but yeah <laughs> very honest as well uh, you've given some nuggets here during this podcast episode but what's the best piece of advice you've ever received if you could pin it down to one conversation uh my dad always told me um every morning you wake up make your bed because then at least you do something one thing right in the day <laughs> love it nice <laughs> nice simple but effective man you've achieved so much in your career so far what's one thing you want to achieve more than anything um being, I guess, world and Olympic champion. So hopefully many more successes to come, Alex, but what's the best feeling so far? When What's that moment that you'd sort of relive at the moment that gave you the best emotion? I think winning Bucks cross-country after coming back from that injury, I think that they're just overcoming um, such a such a big adversity um, was, was really rewarding. I, I feel like uh, it was giving back as well to the people that helped me so much nice nice a little bit covered a little bit away from the deep um the deep questions what's uh what's the easiest way to annoy you <laughs> uh 
I don't know. There's there's not a specific thing. It's just loads <laughs> of little things will probably eat away at me. Um, but there's there's not something specific. Well, just flip it then. What do you think is your most annoying trait that maybe, I don't know, if the triathlon world understand, maybe the rest of us don't? Or what do you think is sometimes rubs people up the wrong way about yourself? Um, especially when I'm training a lot, I get quite lazy with um, being tidy. But then I'm on the flip side, I get probably quite annoyed when things aren't tidy myself. So I'm a bit of a hypocrite in that sense. <laughs> nice. And just um, away from your sport, what's your main interest outside of sport? I guess I, I like watching anime and it's quite sad but i collect yeah i'm a big anime fan i collect pokemon cards as well which is like something which is a a bit different i think it's just a probably a bit of a midlife crisis Mm -hmm. for the (laughs) trying to chase childhood uh, memories (laughs) fueling's obviously key and i don't know if this this is for you you and your girlfriend but if you were to cook your signature dish alex what would you what would you be go to uh i love jerk chicken uh jerk chicken rice and peas uh, bit of course on the side yes yes uh, so yeah nice but this is not takeaway no this is you you yeah, doing no, it all yourself me. yeah slow cooker <laughs> yeah 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 nice one <laughs> that's cool man what's this well being an athlete is already a superpower to you know most people that watch it and enjoy sports but what's the superpower you'd most like to have um probably flight i guess it's something which if if we could go out of space and stuff and yeah i'd just love to explore i think nice uh, favorite TV show, program, box set, that sort of kind of vibe. What's your go-to? Right now, I'm watching Line of Duty. I know it's probably a bit of a common one, but I'm I'm well into that. Um, but all-time favorite an- uh, anime is One Punch Man, which is <laughs> about a, a superhero who's who ha- is having an existential crisis because he's too powerful and too good. So it's quite funny. Nice. And what's the one sporting moment you'd like to witness in person if you could travel back in time? I, I do regret not going to watch the, the triathlon in uh, in London. I, I actually watched it from my home, which is which is quite sad. But I do wish I, I was there in the grandstand for that final because I've, I don't think there's ever been that much support or um, for for a triathlon ever. And for two British athletes to deliver is pretty special. And last one. Um, so d- across all sports, so who would you say is the goat? So who's the greatest sports person of all time in your eyes? Uh, Usain Bolt. Nice. He's one of my top five, to be fair. I know it's pretty obvious, but what 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 about you, saying? He just delivers every time, and he carries himself so well, and he's confident, and he's brought up sport globally as in general. Um, I can't imagine how many people watched the hundred meter final in the Olympics, or even when there was the the big rivalry between Justin Gatlin and and himself. I think that was pretty incredible that he kind of delivered on that on that occasion. Brilliant. Thank you very much for your time, Alex. Thank you very much. Cheers. Man, I can't stop. Man, I can't stop. Man, I can't stop. So it won't be a surprise, listeners, to learn that Alex had to go off and do training and academic studies as well. But, Dom, it was a really great listen. And there's no athlete of the same, are there? was just some really interesting things about Alex. His personality really shone as regards to just how he views and approaches elite sport. Yeah, 100%. Um, and I think it's so good, you know, that we as sports, they create this platform for athletes to really, really express themselves. I think for athletes, it's very, very easy to kind of think one way. And because maybe an idol thinks one way or a famous sports person thinks one way, you have to kind of adapt the same kind of ideals as them to 
get to the top. So I think it was so refreshing to see, you know, um, Alex's different perspectives on training, mindset, goal setting and things like that. And I think, you know, he's got, you know, the mentality and the work ethic to, you know, go right to the top in his sport. So we wish him all the best. We certainly do. And that's what the Sports Ave All podcast is all about, is just getting behind, under the skin, I guess, a bit, really, as regards to looking beyond the results and the personalities coming through. So a massive, massive thank you to Alex Yee for joining us on this, the latest episode of the Sports Ave All podcast. And thank you, listener, once again. You can again find out more about Sports Aid's work and the athletes that they support by visiting sportsaid.org.uk or dropping us a follow on Twitter and Instagram. The handle is at Team Sports Aid. The Sports Save Up podcast is produced with Hogarth Worldwide and Gramercy Park Studios. And our theme music is courtesy of Vidal Riley again, so big up to him. You can check out his latest releases on Spotify. Man, I can't stop. Man, I can't stop. Man, I can't stop.